thoughts, opinions, and general overall shades thrown on High at Nine News are those of the individual speakers and not those of High at Nine News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the High at Nine News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at 9 with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. That's right. It's Monday, February 26th, and today is National Letter to an Elder Day. It's also National Set a Good Example Day, so I guess that would be setting a good example by writing a letter to an elder. But most kids don't know how to write anymore. They just know how to type, so that's going to be a little difficult. It's also National Tell a Fairy Tale Day. Rico, what do you think about that, telling fairy tales? think that's good for kids that's what you do every day right mm. <laughs> cute 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 it's also national pistachio day shout out to all those pistachios out there pistachio that's right thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us it's also high noon on the east coast and please remember to like share and subscribe to us on all social media platforms you can look down below on your screen to see exactly where we live on the internet and we are live every monday through friday on youtube rumble twitch twitter instagram facebook and that's right on our very own website at www.highatnightnews.com but without further ado we are going to move right on in with the dope dad himself mr rico lamite the man who does the cabbage patch when he's doing his happy cabbage dance that's right it is the dope dad himself mr rico lamite You found that racist? Why? You, are you trying to say the only black people can do the cabbage patch? You can't question racism, bro. You can't question. I can question it all I want. I question it all I want all day, every day. No, 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 no. I question everything. Question it all. Yeah, I bet. I'm all chopped up, man. What's up? What's up? What's up with the screen here? That's your lighting, bro. You need better lighting. We need to work. I got all kinds of lighting right here. It's bright as hell. So. um don't even start with me, Jason. Maybe Black you need three months. Got you, three days left. Let it roll. Maybe Let you need roll. some. Maybe, maybe you need some Jesus <laughs> in your life for a shining light. Right, we got to talk about. We got to talk about Maryland, okay. Maryland, as as we East Coasters uh, call it. But uh, with 101 licensed dispensaries currently open, and ultimate goal of 300, the state of Maryland is about to dramatically expand its cannabis industry as a result of a 2023 law. As of today. Retail licenses are distributed equally across the state's 47 legislative districts, but another 75 are about to be issued in a social equity round, and the looming boom has been ruffling nimby feathers on both sides of the aisle. Maryland Matters' uh, Brian Sears reported that when it's all said and done, there will be a maximum of 300 dispensaries with 
6,500 liquor stores, uh, liquor licenses in the state. Prince George County has 18.1 liquor stores per 100,000 people. That same county of roughly 1 million people is eligible for about 20 total cannabis dispensary licenses. And uh, 19 of the state's 24 major political subdivisions will receive between one and three of those social equity dispensary licenses this coming round. Montgomery and Prince uh, and PG counties will receive nine and 11 will go to Baltimore City, according to Maryland Cannabis Administration. So um, the House and Senate panels in Maryland are considering legislation to make it tougher for local governments to restrict where dispensaries can locate. House Economic Matters Committee Chair Dell C.T. Wilson, he ain't having none of that. He said the counties are trying to all out kill the newly legalized cannabis market and stifle the state's previous efforts to limit the trap's power. Um, I honestly am sorry. I just don't trust counties to do it, it uh, because I've watched what they've done before. What he's referring to is PG County Council's proposed legislation last year to prohibit dispensaries in commercial zones and restrict them to ind industrial areas and business parks. That bill failed, but the council, in a letter this month, asked the county's legislative delegation to oppose Wilson's new bill. Wilson blasted unnamed local officials for using what he called a, quote, tornado of misinformation to complain their counties will be flooded with dispensaries in the same way liquor stores have proliferated or that the state law will allow vape and smoke shops to also sell cannabis. Makes no sense. Uh, it becomes irresponsible at some point of uh, some of the county officials to propagate these lies, he said. Uh, the efforts of both sides are now the focus of legislation designed to block zoning attempts, which sometimes seek to prevent any sales of drug uh, of the drug or are born out of the concerns about the clustering of alcohol and tobacco shops in black and brown communities. When speaking on the state's entry to legal adult use cannabis sales, Wilson had to say this, this is thought out. This was not done randomly, and this is not about state control. Is about protecting people, protecting us, and protecting a now legitimate business. So I want to make sure we understand that we are not here to stuff them or to cluster them. The bill, uh, the House Chair's bill, uh, as the House Chair's bill, HB 805 prohibits counties from imposing zoning regulations more restrictive than those imposed on retail liquor stores. Current law prohibits uh, dispensaries within 500 feet of playground, recreational center, library, public park, or place of worship, and Wilson's bill qualifies that restriction to pre-existing facilities. Uh, HB 805 is, however, asking for an amendment to increase the distance between dispensaries from 1,000 to 1,500 feet. Counties can reduce but not increase the statutory distance requirements for dispensary locations. The beef opposing lawmakers have is all about usurping county zoning authority. They don't want to give up their power. Senator Brian J. Feldman, chair of Education, Energy, and Environmental Committee and sponsor of the identical SB 537, said the state has say, the same interest in ensuring cannabis dispensaries can open as it does ensuring counties allow clean energy protection. Democrat <laughs> Senator um, Alonzo T. Washington out of uh, PG County and member of the Senate Finance Committee said that we need energy. We don't need cannabis. Is excellent, man. Uh, for the article, some legislators representing rural, most Republican counties, like Dell Stephen J. Arents, uh, Delegate Stephen J. Arents, uh, also opposed the proposed changes. He said counties like his are being punished for what's happened in others. 
not so uh, uh, veiled coded language here. Uh, you're taking other people's problems and making them ours. The bill has the support of Maryland Association of Counties, which is proposing certain amendments. The first will expand the minimum distance between dispensaries to 2,000 feet. Another wants to keep dispensaries more than 100 feet from residential areas. Um, a lot going on over there in Maryland. And the crazy thing about all of this is uh, the majority of these people fighting on both sides of the aisle are people of color, right? So uh, for people who are not familiar with PG County, uh, Prince George County in Maryland is both the most affluent and the poorest black community at the same time in America. So there's a lot of Republicans and Democrats just butting heads right here, regardless of color. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. But obviously, we're going to be covering it um, the whole way. I'm Regal Lamit, the dopest dad on the street for Hyatt 9 News. Love to hear from you guys. What do you think about what's going on in uh, Maryland? Man, shout out to this. To, is he a Republican or a Democrat? The guy that introduced this He's legislation. Dumb. He's a Democrat. Shout out to this Democrat. I am a fan of this Democrat right here because he is trying to remove local control, which only stifles the growth of an industry, as we've all seen here in California and many other numerous states. So shout out and big ups to this man. See, Yaro, I, 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 can, I can talk good about Democrats. I mean, I was just waiting for everybody else to get their first crack at the ball. I got a bunch to say, but I have three we esteemed know... panelists above me on the screen, and I, I didn't want to just jump in. It's Monday, Yaro. Okay, fine, 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 yeah. fine. Okay, so, like, we've seen that this local control – was a way to get buy-in for regulated cannabis mm -hmm. programs. And we've seen the negative consequences of local control in other markets where local control could be more restrictive, not less restrictive. So this is interesting because they're saying the opposite. They're saying you could be less restrictive, not more restrictive. And we've seen this local control as a way to say that uh, municipalities have a program, but then create the eye of the needle to be so small that the program isn't really practical. And we've seen local control where three quarters of some of the largest cannabis economies in the world didn't have any brick and mortar uh, retail dispensaries. And so then they wonder why there's this glut of product or where uh, farmers are dying because there isn't a supply chain that actually uh, supports the amount of product that's being created or consumer or patient access. So I love the idea of less local control because I've seen what local control has done in terms of uh, comprehensive systems or systems that aren't really functional. And the, you know, this note, this notion of these very restrictive zonings creates real estate bubbles, creates a higher cost to the entrepreneurs that are successful enough and curing that real estate that qualifies. Um, and, and I don't think it serves the industry. And so, yes, I get it. Okay. Electricity and cannabis are not equivalencies and everybody needs power. And some people need some powerful cannabis in their mm -hmm. lives. And I just, I, I really embrace this notion that counties can't create such local restrictions and complexity that it really it, it, it limits the impact of these programs. And when voters say, yes, we want to decriminalize, people should be able to go get this at a corner store or mm -hmm. a store the way they can, a bottle of whatever. Um, it, it certainly, I don't think the will of the voter uh, meant to create such restrictive zoning or pockets that, that, that it makes it really a, a, 
not an actual program. So I, I think this is great. I love it. I love it. Let's take away local control. There are lots of things where we don't have local control. I mean, look at everything the federal government does. That's not local control, but we all agree that that stuff's still pretty darn important. So I, I'm in favor of this, of what's going on over there. Mm -hmm. Look at that. Look at that. I'm in favor too. Shout out to this guy, man. I mean, I think that we all are. Unity. We all are. We're in the throes of the most complicated industry to navigate by far. I mean, it, it's it's the most regulated. It's the most red tape, I think, of any industry, even more than pharma, as far mm -hmm. as, as I, I'm concerned. Um, we're, our, the way that we have to monitor every single tiny little leaf that comes off of this plant is crazy, especially since Yarrow, it hasn't killed anyone. Oh, <laughs> oh jabs, yeah. little jabs. I see that. I see what you did there. Um, at the end of the day, this is something our whole industry advocates for, but we have to step out of our own little like network circle in our industry and start educating the people around us who are voters that don't work in this industry so that they understand we do not mm -hmm. integrate the general public enough when it comes to cannabis policy creation. Right and on. we really have to help these local municipalities understand that we're their allies, not their enemies. We're mm -hmm. here to make sure that cannabis is safely accessible, but they don't need to over-police us out of fear. Fair enough, fair enough. What do you think on this, Mike Stone? Mic drop moment, Mandy. I love it. What do you think about this, Stone? You're on mute. I know. I there you go. Monday, man, I couldn't find the mute button. It's all right. We know. We know. <laughs> I, I just I couldn't agree more. I just I got nothing else to say on top of uh, what what's already been said. All right, all right. And joining us today, we have Hirish all the way from down under in Australia. He's been petting kangaroos in uh, in his in his koala den. Woo! Yes, you I, know, I yeah. absolutely you have. It's your boy Irish, aka Medicated TV, and thank you for having me, guys. I love being here. Irish is in the building. <laughs> yes. Yes. Do you have any and, thoughts? Uh, you have any thoughts on this? On this local control going on? I, I actually, I was sitting here actually a bit perplexed. I was, I was, I almost felt like I was looking into it into a time glass, like into the future, thinking just from Australia's perspective. Obviously, I'm in Australia, mm -hmm. and I hope this doesn't happen to us because it looks like it's going to be going the same way. Well, I mean, as if, if what we've seen going it's on pretty, in Australia, pretty well to you guys, because yeah. it's happening to everybody the same exact way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> where I get, where where my immediate concern raises is with this whole state by state thing. See, we're very compartmentalized here as well. So, for example, we already have wreck in one state, mm -hmm. but not in the others. So it seems like you guys are going to have. It seems like we're just following your footsteps, which. I don't know. If that's the best move. To be honest, I don't. I don't think that's the best <laughs> move. One either. thing you can count on is that. Nobody learns from the mistakes that have already been made. So that's true. Get ready. That's that 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 part is so 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 true. And on that, we're gonna go to a commercial. We're gonna be right back. Oh man, that was weird. Hey, you America! Do I look like Sean Connery? <laughs>
Good morning, America. Saman Razani coming to you live from sunny Los Angeles, California with the one and only highest host, Mr. Jason Beck, smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast? You can find it on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. No excuses in 2024. If you haven't checked us out, check it out now. And also, check out what The Prophet's doing in 2024. Oh, yeah, everybody. Some call him the highest Republican in the room. Others call him the only Republican in the room. But it doesn't matter which side of the aisle you rock with. Hyatt Nine News' is head honcho is here to give us all a little bit of that Monday morning heat. Coming to the stage, y'all know who it is, Jason Beck. Oh, yeah, Rico. Good morning, you guys. Happy, happy Monday. It is Monday, the most important day of the week. And there's a little things going on in Oklahoma because the state is still seeking to keep $1 million in cash that they found during a marijuana investigation back in 2021, you guys. That's right. When state narcotics agents raided Green World Garden Supply in Oklahoma City back in 2021, they were looking for evidence. It was behind a black market marijuana sales. That's right. The company was believed to be a front for some form of organized crime. One agent told the judge in a request for a search. The evidence sought included United States currencies, which may be proceeds from unlawful cultivation. Agents did find cash, more than $1 million, and they also found $21,000 in money orders. They seized it all. The Oklahoma Bureau of Narcotics and Dangerous Drugs Control has been fighting to keep it ever since. The supply the supply uh, company owner, uh, Dow Fang, uh, has been fighting to get it back. In quotes, they are convicted that's that that he's some or excuse me they are convinced that he's some big kingpin in this chinese illegal drug operation a kingpin doesn't live in his ex-girlfriend's spare room and not have a job things attorney tom cummings said last week well, i don't know about all that but okay uh, in another quote they say i understand he's got a business they don't like he supplies marijuana grows you could do that uh, I could do that, but he's Asian, and they have targeted Asians, he says. It's just ridiculous. The forfeiture fight has been playing out for years in Oklahoma County District Court. The next court date uh, for the scheduling of a jury trial is not until August. And also at stake is the civil case of $1,608,937 seized from Fang's accounts at Valiance Bank and $544,611 seized from an account at Chase Bank. Man, that sounds like over, that's, man, that's some, that's over two million right there. Joining Fang in making a claim at the money in Ping Ping Hong, an operator of a number of grows, uh, says in another quotes, Climantis have have no answer for how they legally possess millions of dollars, a narcotics bureau attorney wrote in court filings. Since Oklahoma passed medical marijuana back in 2018, state and federal agents regularly find stocks of cash at pot businesses suspected of operating illegally. The FBI, for instance, last May found a uh, hundred thousand in uh, in vacuum sealed cash hidden in an attic in a house and in, in a house uh, at a grow near Watukuma. And the state's Narcotics Bureau has seized approximately $2.2 million in cash since 2021 during investigations of illegal marijuana businesses, public information officer Mark Woodward said last week. The total includes $1 million. 
$14,439 seized at Green World Supply in May of 2021. What was unusual about that find was not only the amount, but, but that the cash was secured. Mm, interesting. In a quote, the currency was located within cardboard boxes, USPS mailing boxes, desk drawers, and plastic shopping bags, a state narcotics agent reported last month. None of the U.S. currency was behind locked doors or within a safe. Dang, now 48, came under investigation after an April 2021 inspection of a Paul's Valley medical marijuana grow that had been licensed only a month. He was listed as an owner. Agents decided the grow must have been operating illegally before getting the license because the plants were were too tall. State narcotics agents and Garvin County sheriffs raided the grow on April 30th of 2021 and seized 2,594 pot plants. Those plants were moved to another location and destroyed. Deng was charged in Garvin District, uh, Garvin County District Court with unlawful cultivation of marijuana as a felony and agents seized his bank accounts after finding out he had deposited more than $18 million at Valiance Bank between November 10th, 2020 and April 30th, 2021. According to court records, a manager at Valiance Bank told the agents it the deposits are received as cash up to $900,000 at a time carried into the bank by Fang or an employee inside a cardboard box. A twist in the dispute over the uh, seized funds came when a Garvin County special judge in 2022 threw out Fang's criminal case because of insufficient evidence. His attorneys immediately sought to have the, the forfeiture proceedings dismissed and the money returned. They argued Fang had not had had been falsely accused and the basis for forfeiture no longer existed. The Oklahoma County judge overseeing the civil case denied the dismissal motion. A new twist last month came when state agents revealed in search warrants requested that Fang is being investigated again. They allege he and and Hong have been involved in in another Paulus Valley marijuana grow that was operating illegally. Neither has been charged, however. In quotes, they're just trying to break him, his attorney Cummings said. And Dang had all the money in 2021 because he had been paid for large orders of equipment and materials. His, The attorney said Hung was the operator of the Paul's Valley Grow shut down back in 2021, the attorney said. And in quote, Asians use lots of cash, Cummings also said. Agents in January searching Hung's residence in, in Edmond and reported seizing multiple drug dealers and one one hundred and seventy four thousand four hundred and forty nine dollars in cash agents in January also searched two residents associated with dang and they reported seizing twenty two thousand six hundred and seventy six dollars in cash and a rifle from a home in Moore. The Narcotics Bureau has shut down over 3,000 grows, arrested over 300 individuals, and seized over 1 million pounds of marijuana since 2021 as part of a criminal investigation, according to its latest Facebook post. <laughs> Agents on Thursday seized approximately 3,800 plants and 600 pounds processed marijuana during a search from a farm in, in Earlsboro, according to the post, and many of these investigators determined, uh, determined that grows had used straw owners to Get around the state's strict residency requirements to open up. Attorney General Genter uh, Drummond has reportedly blamed Chinese nationals for problems in the state's medical marijuana industry and in quotes, illegal marijuana grows are responsible for an alarming influx of organized crime.
crime in our communities, particularly with Mexican drug cartels and Chinese crime syndicates, Drummond said in September. He says, I have made it a priority to wipe out these illicit operators, he says. Well, 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 these guys are fighting over big, big dollars, and man, oh man, who is going to come out the victor? Time will tell, and this is Jason Beck for the High at Nine News, but what do y'all think about this? Dang, dang and fang, man. Mm-hmm. They're really like dang. in an awkward situation. Dang right and now. fang, I see what you did there. And dang. Mm-hmm. Man. Dang, it sounds like fang is hung. That's all I got to say. Oh, man. Well, it definitely wasn't a hung jury because they were not convicted. Well, they're no, listen, they're just slowly being investigated. There are, you have years to charge. There's no way these guys don't get fed charges in my mind. I, I mean, the, my favorite quote is the like, this guy's not a kingpin. He's living in his girlfriend's house in a spare room and has no job. Guess what? When you're depositing $18 million in two years in the bank, you don't need a job, okay? I do not care what your LinkedIn title says. You are not down to your last dollar, even if those were other people's money you were playing with. I love the way his lawyer just tries to make him out to be like some loser who's sitting on the couch eating microwave burritos and playing Xbox. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. I was like, I "I know tons of trappers that live in their mom's basement. Like That doesn't mean, mean that they're not doing illegal crime. So here's what's also here's what's also really funny, right? Mm-hmm. On the one hand, this is the quote from his lawyer. It says, they're convinced he's some big kingpin in this Chinese illegal drug operation. A kingpin doesn't live in his ex-girlfriend's spare room and not have a job, says his attorney. I don't know if that's a private attorney you had to pay for, Mr. Jobless, or whether that was one that was appointed to you. But I'm, I'm, will, I'm willing next- to bet he paid for it. I'm willing to bet he paid for it because it doesn't say court-appointed public defender. It refers to him <laughs> as an attorney. And so then here's the next part that totally contradicts it. I understand he's got a business they don't like. Okay, so if he has no job and they have a business they don't mm-hmm. like, which is it? Because I don't think you get to have a business with no job. And if you have no job, you don't have a business. <laughs> exactly. Exactly, Yaro. This, I, I love this article. I found it so hysterically funny. What, 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 Yaro, uh, uh, Rico, you're on mute. I don't know who is um, going along this article and not noticing all of the Asian hate going on in it, too. But there is, like, a lot of blame being put on the Chinese community. I I don't know. I'm not sure if Asian hate really exists. I think that's something the woke culture created. Rico, you're on mute. How come we're not here? You're on mute, Rico. You got to unmute. There you go. Gosh. There you go. Right, yeah. now, now you go. Thank you. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. Rico. I was agreeing with you, with you, Mandy. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, uh, uh, thinly veiled Asian hatred. Oh, in stop this it. Article. Yeah, but my guess. Thinly at all. My guess, like you are, I have a favorite quote. At the entire Chinese community. <laughs> Yeah, Asians don't. Asians like dealing with a lot of cash. Apparently, I mean that is true. Uh, like, that is true. You ever been to? You ever been to a Chinese gambling den? Hey, man, I'm not even going to touch that. What I'm going to say here, <laughs> what I'm going to say here is, um, I, I don't. Uh, my guess is that uh, Fang is not a fan of safe banking. <laughs> oh, jeez. I'm sure you are probably correct. Jeez, Louise. But the good news, Rico. the good news, guys, is that when they get out of the feds, there will be some kind of social equity program somewhere, maybe hey. for them. I don't know. Hey. So one thing I did notice, and I think is worth pointing out and is an unfortunate 
problem with our criminal justice system is you can be innocent of crimes you were charged with and they can still asset forfeiture your money, mm -hmm. right? And yep. so the threshold for asset forfeiture does not require a criminal conviction. I wish I didn't know this. Mm -hmm. I wish I hadn't walked a mile in those shoes. I wish my shoes hadn't gone from gold-plated to moccasins yeah. or flip-flops. Yeah. But, but this idea that, hey, I'm innocent, give the... me my money back, that's just you not how Trump, it works. You had the Trump Air Force Ones? Did you, you see what I did there? I oh, made yeah, the shoes political. I like that. Yeah, that was cute. Down, that was that was that was real cute. But uh, you know, but probably one of my favorite parts, one of my favorite parts in in, in the article is 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 just them saying uh, of how in in agreement with you guys of, of how they said that you know how can they have this much money? Like how can they like 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 it's like it's illegal to have money? I don't I don't understand that how how, how it's illegal to have money. I've never understood that from a law enforcement's perspective, how it's illegal to have money, how they have to prove how they have it. Like, the, like it's, it's, it's not against well, the law to have prove, money. You have to prove where you got it from if you're not white, Jason. Number one. You, you gotta, you, that's not, not true. White, that's not true. Gotta, that's not true. That I've, I've had to prove where I got my money from tons of times, bro. So stop the cap. Stop the cap with that. Yeah, you know, stop the I'm not stopping the cap. Yeah, like, like, how, how many white folks you, you know get questioned for I their have. homes, I have their, their automobiles? I've been questioned uh, the tons things of that times. They have, and they get penalized for that. Not too many white folks do. Tons, uh, tons well, of, that's not true. I, I mean, statistically, you might be right, but personally, yeah, no, I got. Yep. You have to show where your money's come from. It has to be sourced. And, mm -hmm. and, and that burden is, is not on the prosecution to prove that you're guilty because it's a civil proceeding and so the evidentiary uh uh requirements are much much lower and they can for lack of a better legalese take your shit mm -hmm. <laughs> oh man man oh man oh man man this is oh man i feel bad for these guys yeah we're gonna keep this train rolling we're gonna roll right on to, into miss mandy tingler she's a mom and a cannabis executive and she is the founder of the women's cannabis awards coming in into la next month so make sure you get your tickets now at womanscannaawards.com it is none other than miss mandy tingler good morning it's monday Time to get at it. Mm -hmm. Excited for this week. Lots of good momentum happening in the world. And by the way, I don't know. I should have mentioned this like on New Year's episode or whatever, but like I'm calling 2024 as the year of the legacy comeback. Like that's just it. Like we're coming back strong this year. And I feel this energy super, super powerfully. Mm -hmm. and on that note, <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead and share a lovely story that's got a a load of statistics in it, so don't get bored. Don't stop paying attention, Yarrow. And I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, Yarrow. <laughs> what are we even talking about? <laughs> Raise your hands for questions at the end. Thank you. <laughs> Here we go. All right, folks. Today, my article headline says, U.S. marijuana business licensing declined for the first time in 2023. After a year of double after years of double digit growth, active marijuana business licenses in the US has declined for the very first time. According to a new report by CRB Monitor, which is a cannabis intelligence firm from Nashville, Tennessee, that tracks and <laughs> monitors licenses. 
as active U.S. cannabis business licenses, including medical and recreational marijuana markets, declined 4% from 2022 to 2023. By contrast, the number of active Canadian business licenses increased 2% in the same period. The total number of active licenses in the two countries combined had been doubling nearly every year since 2029. But signs of a plateau appeared in 2022 when year-over-year growth slid to 28%. In fact, the number of active U.S. and Canadian market licenses peaked at 51,000 during the first quarter of 2023. Active licenses slipped later in the year, which ended with with roughly 49,000 200, which equivalents to that 2% decrease. The uh, CRB monitor, Steve Kimmerling, claims that he thinks this is a good thing for the industry. He thinks that this plateau is smart. He said the leveling off of licenses counts, <clears throat> license counts reflects a natural consolidation of a new market entering its early adolescence. He says, as painful as it is for individual participate, participants who are caught up in it, and he's referring to consolidation. He says it's a healthy reaction that will set up the industry for sustainable future growth. Regarding the U.S. cannabis licensing, he says the number of active U.S. cannabis licenses peaked at about 44,300 during the fourth quarter of 2022. Even with a strong pipeline of new marijuana business licenses in 2023, roughly 1,900 active licenses had been abandoned or lost by the end of the year. The number of approved licenses, newly licensed cannabis businesses that have yet to begin operations, surged by 23% in 2023, with most growth happening between January and September. The introduction of new licenses in 23, mostly mostly are in new and expanding markets, could not keep up with the losses happening in the mature markets. And license applications, including those pending approval, peaked in the first quarter of 2023 at about 8,900, only to decline sharply at the year end, down 20% from 2022. New and expanding state markets created the most growth in domestic cannabis business licenses, obviously. It says marijuana regulators in New Mexico, New York, and Vermont approved hundreds of new business licenses in 23, and New Mexico led the nation, actually, with 600 new active licenses in 2022. New York's regulated marijuana market finally has expanded, and of course, after you guys know all those delays we've been talking about, they roughly have added about 360 licenses, while Vermont's market contribute about 240 approximately. Michigan has nearly 550 active licenses, and keep in mind this includes everything from cultivation to retail. And uh, let's see, California, which um, of course you guys have been hearing about the struggles in California, has a declining sales because of pressure from, of course, our lovely illicit market and our overtaxation. Uh, We've seen a lot of numbers decrease in the state of California, and it's arguably the world's largest cannabis market. So that's pretty concerning. It says the the state shed about 2,300 active licenses in 2023, which is an overall 19% decline 
That's here in Cali. Vertically integrated licenses also have been on the decline. They think that some of those numbers fell just because the uh, MSOs have pulled out of certain markets. It says by the fourth quarter of 23, there were only 875 active vertically integrated licenses in the entire country, which was an 11% drop from the previous quarter. Kimmerling recalls that he calls it the revenge of the OGs as many large vertically integrated operators failed to reap the benefits of scale and struggle and have struggled <laughs> against local producers and retailers. You guys, it's working. Keep doing it. <laughs> The original thesis of the vertically integrated multi-state operator having the advantage of scale and capital to dominate the regulated cannabis market has been thoroughly refuted, according to the author of this, this study. He said, the economy has never materialized and the capital has been torched. And I absolutely think that that is spot on. Talks a little bit more about the Canadian market. It says, despite a number of retail closures, the number of active Canadian cannabis licenses reached a milestone last year. It said it had an active license increase at 2% year over year, ending 2023 with 6,860 licenses. Because the pipeline of upcoming licenses, those are pending approval, declined by 13%. And they're seeing uh, that, which is a 45% decrease since 2022. At the end of the day, guys, we are definitely starting to experience what new markets always experiences, price compression and consolidation. This is definitely telling. I think it supports a lot of what many of us have said the last year or two on this show. Um, and I'm really excited to uh, get some feedback from the rest of my correspondents and people in the chat. Well, 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 Mandy, I'll tell you what, I am not surprised by this because this really goes back to our first story with Rico because there is too much local control. And I think that's what's stifling a majority of these licenses from, from becoming available. I mean, you look in California, we have like six, 700 stores throughout the entire state. Like that's just crazy. We have probably have more cities in California than we do dispensaries. And I mean, I can't say this without 100% certainty, but I can't think of another industry that has more production and surplus happening in it than it does have options to sell the product. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know why? You know why I hate this article? Why? Because uh, I have issues. No, I'm just kidding. The reason why that. I hate this article that, is because licenses are no are not a leading or lagging indicator because the analysis is structurally flawed. You have states that have a single license and you can open as many retail locations with a single license. You have states where you have a license that allows you to do manufacturing, retail, and distribution with a single license. You have states where you have to have licenses for each part of the supply chain. And so this hodgepodge notion that we can contrast licenses as a data point, much less between the United States and Canada, where the only similarity is we're on the same continent when it comes to regulatory uh, consistency, just makes this like, 
I'm sorry. I mean, I was feeling bad because I'm going to talk a lot of smack about this CEO. And we've been friends on LinkedIn since August of 2020. But brah, that's not a number that gives you anything as a data point. Like, thank you for crunching numbers that tell me nothing. Now, everything I needed to know about that long-winded article came from Andy Tingler as summary at the end. But the idea that you could contrast licenses across states and municipalities when all of those regulatory paradigms, the only thing they share is that it's cannabis makes this fake news there's no news in it makes this fake news mm -hmm. what do you think about this stuff yeah what i don't know about, about that yarrow but um okay <laughs> i agree with you mandy i think we got the we got the year of the trap coming i think we're seeing a lot of people fall off in the industry that was set up to fail before it ever started um you know with, <laughs> Everybody's getting gaffled by the by their local and state authorities, by the feds, by everything. Your people are falling off. It's just going to help the trap market grow. Um, I think if we were just talking about Oklahoma. I, from friends in Oklahoma, are talking about just wait till the fall. You're going to see so many businesses fold just because of, of all the all the bullshit. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. doesn't surprise and me. Also, it doesn't surprise me either that there are businesses that are calling it quits at the end of the year. That's when most companies. Companies call it quits. They don't want to have to get stuck on the hook if they know that their company's in doomsday and they don't want to pay out, you know, December when they know they're going mm -hmm. under in January. Like, that's just very common. Look at all business models. Like, that's normal. Um, also, we are in a infancy of a economy. And not just here in the U.S. This is global, right? So mm -hmm. all of us... If you thought you were gonna come in here and have some kind of smooth sailing down the river, like you're kidding yourself, get ready for the roughest waters for the rest of your life here. The only people that are gonna have it easy is like my kids' kids who are gonna <laughs> run these business because the rules will mostly be shaken out by then. Social equity won't even be a topic anymore because mm -hmm. they'll call it a wash at that point. The whole globe will have access to this plant, except for maybe, I don't know, like- Antarctica? Idaho. And um, <laughs> like Antarctica will have it before Idaho at this rate. Um, <laughs> But I'm just saying, like, mm -hmm. like here's here's the other thing about this article, consolidation, right? Consolidation normal. You know, every single clothing shop and grocery store and distribution company that opened in New England, you know, forever ago is not in existence today. Not all of them. There's going to be some of us that are still standing and some of us that aren't. So, so Mandy's Mandy's summary is the is the the best part of the article because it's spot on. But one of the other problems with using licenses as some sort of indicator is it doesn't it doesn't speak to the licenses that were acquired by other en entities through mergers and yeah. acquisitions, which is also not being expressed through this idea of, well, we're just gonna measure year over year license change and doesn't speak to the bigger issues that Mandy touched on at the end of the article. And then it also doesn't, speak to companies that were a little top heavy and shed some of their licenses just to be leaner and meaner. It doesn't mean that they're out of business. They may have said, you know, 
we realized we don't need to be vertically integrated. We're supposed to focus on just doing two or three things and doing it really well. So some of these companies may have had a distribution license and decided no longer to self-distribute, or there was something that happened with Herbal and now they're with Navis. And so again, I think that what Mandy has said is spot on. I just don't think that measuring year over year change of licenses across 30 plus states and two countries gives us the data that she was able to articulate because of her positioning in the industry. Any any thoughts on this, Stone? You're good. Any thoughts on this, Irish? Again, I'm just sitting here from an Australian perspective, scratching my head, hoping it doesn't fall on our lap. Yeah, that's it. It's. I'm <laughs> telling you, we're gonna go to a commercial. We're gonna. Don't be worry, right you back. guys will figure it out before we do anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I hope so. The control tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The control tower from Highly Educated. All right, stop whatever you're doing. Make sure you hit that like button. We'll appreciate it. You'll appreciate it, and even YouTube will appreciate it. Make sure you hit the subscribe button, too, if you have not subscribed already. And all of the articles that we cover on today's show, you can find right on our website at www.hyatt9news.com. And Matthew St. Germain could not be with us today. He is um, with his son at uh, in San Francisco at the, at the UCSF Medical Center today. And so we do want to throw up uh, their family's GoFundMe page. And so we do encourage all of you to participate in this GoFundMe me and hope that you guys can help out our good friend mr matthew st germain i'm jason beck and this is smoky vanilla and if you want to feel as good as i look then you need to get yourself a stretch and smoke with smoky vanilla that's right baby i'm smoky vanilla with my background in kinesiology i'm a sports massage therapist and stretch coach i focus mostly on athletes who have chronic pain or injury due to their sport or the legends of the chronic in the game baby oh yeah you know what it is we just stretched and now we're gonna smoke because you know what it is that's right i love intuitively creating a session based on the individual i'm working with we'll go through a few assessments look at the past health history injury or anything that's still affecting you today and create a customized session just for you let's go Sorry. Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. I guess my bad. Coming up next, that's right. It's Mr. Stone Slade. It's the man from Austin who loves Delta 8 and apparently THCA. That's right. Big, big bags of THCA. That's right. It's none other than Mr. Stone Slade. Oh, Jason Beck. Jason Beck. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, Jason. Thank you for that. Anytime. anytime Lovely Stone. introduction. We appreciate you. Good Thanks morning, for joining everybody. us on a Monday. Uh, What'd you say, bud? I said, thanks for joining us on a Monday. Hey, no problem. I thought I'm glad I could be here, even with your Delta hate. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, 
Good morning. As I said, today I'm reporting on a topic that has the potential to send Australians into a Mad Max frenzy if the government doesn't navigate the cannabis legalization issue wisely. The Australian Senate's Legal and Constitutional Affairs Legislation Committee recently held a pivotal hearing on Senator David Schubert legalizing cannabis bill 2023 introduced last August this groundbreaking breaking bill proposes allowing Australians to grow up to six cannabis plants at home and to establish licensed uh, consumption cafes since legal, med medical cannabis was legalized in 2016 Australia's approach to non-medical use has been a patchwork of different uh, differing state laws Public opinion is split with half of the population supporting home cultivation and a notable 54% favoring decriminalization. During the day-long hearing, a myriad of perspectives was presented by representatives from various organizations, including the Australian Lawyers Alliance and the Australian Medical Association. Greg Barnes, former president of the Australian Lawyers Alliance, pointed out the discrepancy on how alcohol and cannabis are regulated despite cannabis having a lesser impact on the community. The horse has bolted on this issue, Barnes said, emphasizing the shift from decriminalizing and legalization. The hearing wasn't just about legal aspects, it also focused on mental health concerns and the potential increase in youth cannabis use. Over 200 written <laughs> testimonies were submitted, highlighting the wide range of opinions on the issue. The Department of, House, uh, of Home Affairs raised concerns about the bill, suggesting it could pave the way for legalization of other substances and outlining the operational and funding impacts that would have. Certainly there's, uh, here's the revised, Excuse me, sorry. Contrastingly, uh, the Amer uh, Australian Medical Association remains firm in its opposition to legalization, seemingly overlooking the fact that there's been thousands of years of human testing on cannabis use with a nod to the era of prohibition. Their stance highlights insufficient evidence on the health and social costs and benefits despite the long history of cannabis consumption worldwide, advocating for the strong law enforcement of criminal penal and criminal penalties for cannabis trafficking and use. They appear to be standing guard at the prohibition party that most of the world has already left. In the business sphere, Milani Satrion, founder and CEO of Ganjika Party LTD, spoke about the challenges faced by entrepreneurs under the current or restrictive policies. Her perspective as a young queer person of color brought a unique voice to the discussion. Milani said, as a woman, my diversity is championed in the global cannabis community. She continued, however, in stark contrast, my local state and federal government instill fear into my work and chokehold my business, preventing me and others from advancing in a rapidly changing marketplace, we are getting left behind. So now let's look uh, into tomorrow for perspective on this. We had Irish Wick joining us, Australia's first official medical cannabis patient to get approval to consume flour in the country. Joining us from Tuesday in Australia, what do you have to say on this, Irish? Oh man, have you touched a subject here? So we've been in a very, I don't know, holding a very very much in a holding pattern state we I, I can I, I can honestly tell you that Australia is probably one of the highest consumers per capita of cannabis in the world and it's been so black market and legacy for so long that no one really knows how to even convert over to the medical market to start with so that's that's the first problem we have is actually we're still even trying to break the stigma so to have the politicians coming forward, that's okay. A lot of it comes from the Greens Party, and our Greens Party are 
probably the least popular of, all, of everyone, even though they are trying to do the right things. Um, then you have the lawmakers stepping in. It's funny that it's taken us to get to, and if anyone wants to track this, there is a, our, our governing body is called the TGA, the Therapeutics Good Administration, and there is a live tracking of patients. And we've currently hit, I think it's about 437,000 patients since 2017. Now, I can see if you do an average maths of each patient getting on average 60 grams a month times 400,000, we're talking, what, 25,000 tonnes or something of wheat per month? So it makes a lot of sense now why the lawmakers are coming in saying, hey, let's fucking legalise this because, shit, we're making, we're bringing in 25, if, if that's my maths right, someone would have to just check that because it's, you know, three in the morning or something, but... I think it sounds about like 25,000 tonnes per month. And then if you do the calculation on that and profit and margin, even if it was 10% or something like that, my God, there's some money in it. So, yeah, it will come. They're going to they're gonna roll it fast forward because the stoners are coming out of the closet. Everyone's smoking it. And the price point, the only difference between us and the rest of the world is we, we're tight asses here and we don't like spending money on weed. Never have. <clears throat> and we have demanded that the prices remain cheaper than the street price and we're getting that now so yeah, it's it's a turning point that we're getting so close to i can't I, I just can't wait i think i know what it's going to happen too when do you see it happening what do you how, how long are you going to wait i believe this is my honest so obviously first and foremost australia australia's traditional owners are the indigenous aboriginal people and they were here long before any lawmakers. And they had this plant long before that. Okay, so at the end of the day, you, there's a lot of sovereign, you know, people claiming sovereignty and stuff like that. But the Indigenous landowners will have say, because their land, it's their land above Crown land. So I can see, I pray to God that my Aboriginal brothers and sisters go out there and really put their foot down and take control of this market because they're owed it. They're entitled to it for the robbery they've copped from our fucking country, just obliterating them. So <clears throat> if I was guessing, I would say by February next year, we'll have probably two or three states open for home growth. So right now, just to clarify, we do have one state, Canberra, our capital territory, where all the politicians are, ironically, you can grow uh, two plants outdoors, up to four plants if there's obviously more than two adults over the age 18. Outdoors, no lights, but every other substance, so obtaining the seeds, obtaining all the other stuff is still illegal. Smoking out of smoking out of bongs, it's illegal. So the whilst they've opened up there, I can see it by February being in another couple of states. I imagine that Western Australia and Brisbane will go next because... They're probably the best outside growers outside of, you know, um, Canberra because there's anyone who could do it. So, yeah, I reckon by February we'll have three states. I reckon by February the following year we'll be moving into a recreational cafe-style <clears throat> dispensing, still medically based, I think, but it'll be more open dispensing. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Awesome. Anything from you, Jason? Well, yeah, so... Australia down under um and you said that there's one state that 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 is allowing for 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 cultivation but you're saying that they that there's a lot of um uh, uh, nationals there 
that, that have been there and they have the ability to cultivate their own there and and basically subside the law similar to like how we have native americans on reservations out here and how they're able to create their own laws and be able to kind of police themselves now one of the things that happens with, with those types of environments is that when you're trying to leave the reservation so if you were leaving um one of these uh one of these people's homes or their land or whatnot would you be charged with being on 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 the crown's land with an illegal drug because that happens a lot of time out here they basically view that as a separate country almost like a like a like a border yes it's exactly the same thing so if you were if you were caught so to clarify indigenous aren't the only people who can do it it's the state in canberra anyone can do it okay but the indigenous people i'm hoping they actually dig their heels and get funding for it and take complete control but if i was to buy in canberra just say I was just to go to one of the one of the boys' house. He gives me some weed, mm-hmm. and I cross back across into New South Wales. Yep. And they pulled me over, and I couldn't justify that it was medical. I think over fifty grams, I'd be charged. Yeah, over fifty grams. Yeah, over. 50 they do grams. say I've read it a few times in the policies that in Canberra, you can walk around with fifty grams for personal consumption. Got it. Interesting, interesting. So, so just buy an ounce and a half at a time. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which is which is hard because if you grow four plants, I mean, you guys would know the growing side too. If I grow if I grow full four full fem outdoor plants, I mean I could pull a hundred pounds. You put three pounds off a plant if you needed to, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I don't understand how they regulate fifty grams versus four plants versus Yeah. Anyway. Do, do, do either of Yarrow or Mandy, do either you have any questions in regards with this for, for Irish while, while we have them? Because we got we to gotta keep rolling. <laughs> no questions, but I think Australia is going to get there faster than we do. Oh. This is just what I'm feeling. Is that because well, they... I, I just, oh, no, I just, I just hope that they have comprehensive regulations. It sounds like from what I looked at the article that the home grow was a little more per- permissive um, and, and, and to... To, to our guest point, uh, if your possession amounts don't align with what you're allowed to grow, then you're putting people in this uncomfortable position of having mm-hmm. produced more than they're allowed to own. And if they get charged, I don't know where that goes. Hopefully not a kangaroo court. Oh, I like <laughs> what you did there, Yarrow. And on that, we're going to go to a commercial. We're going to be yeah. right back. Get ready for the 20-year anniversary celebration of the Emerald Cup. The Emerald Cup will be held at the Henry J. Kaiser Center for the Arts in downtown Oakland, May 4th and 5th. Get your tickets now for best pricing. Cannabis categories include flour, three rolls, solventless concentrates, solvent concentrates, cartridges, edibles, topicals, tinctures, and alternative cannabinoids. So enter early for your chance to be a winner at the 20-year anniversary Emerald Cup competition. Oh, yes. Coming up next. That's right. It's the man, the Sebastopol Sage himself. That's right. It's Mr. Yarrow Kubrin, who does cannabis. He does real estate. And every once in a while, when people have money, he'll will do some cannabis real estate. And he really loves to jump up and down when that happens. That's right. It's none other than Mr. Yarrow D. Kubrin. <laughs> 
So let, let's hope PG&E doesn't pull the plug in the middle of my article since we know we have a planned power outage coming. But if they do cramp my style, I'll be calling right back in. All right. <laughs> so without further ado, Monday, February 26th here. Hi at 9 News. Good morning, viewers. Pleasure to be here with all these other esteemed uh, guests and panelists. Uh, my article today takes us back across the world uh, to Germany, which was covered on Friday, but I wanted to cover it again. There's a lot going on there, and uh, they're giving me plenty to report. So without further ado, from the BBC, Germany legalizes cannabis, but makes it hard to buy. <laughs> Of course it does. Does that sound familiar to us? Does that sound... <laughs> the German parliament has backed a new law to allow the recreational use of cannabis. Under the law, over 18s in Germany would be allowed to possess substantial amounts of cannabis, but strict rules will make it difficult to buy the drug. Smoking cannabis in many public spaces will become illegal April 1st. Possession of up to 25 grams, equivalent to a dozen of strong joints, is allowed in public spaces. In private homes, the lim legal limit will be 50 grams. Hey, they're taking that from Australia. Already police in some parts of Germany, such as Berlin, often turn a blind eye to smoking in public, although possession of the drug for recreational use is illegal and can be prosecuted. Use of the drug amongst young people has been soaring for years, despite the existing laws, says Health Minister Karl Lufenbauch, <laughs> who is instigating the reforms, I mean, initiating. <laughs> he wants to undermine the black market, protect smokers from contaminated cannabis, and cut revenue streams for organized crime gangs. But legal cannabis cafes will not suddenly spring up all over the country. A ferocious debate about decriminalizing cannabis has been raging for years in Germany, with doctors' groups expressing concern for young people and conservatives, saying that liberalization will fuel drug use. After a stormy session on Friday in the Bundestag, German's parliament, the vote was eventually passed 407 to 226. Simon Bochart of the oppositional conservative CDU told MPs that the government has gone already with its completely unnecessary confused law, regardless of warnings from doctors, police, and psychotherapists. But Mr. Lutenbach said the current situation was no longer tenable. The number of consumers aged between 18 and 25 has doubled in the past 10 years. After the vote, he said the law would dry out the black market and fix a failed drug policy. And so often in Germany, the law approved by the MPs is complicated. Smoking cannabis in some areas, such as near schools and sports grounds, will still be illegal. Crucially, the market will be strictly regulated, so buying the drug will not be easy. Oh. Oh, how smart you are. Original plans to allow licensed shops and pharmacies to sell cannabis have been scraped over EU concerns that this could lead to a surge in drug exports. Instead, non-commercial member clubs, dubbed cannabis social clubs, will grow and distribute a limited amount of drugs. But listen to this. Each club will be allowed to have an upper limit of only 500 members. Consuming cannabis on-site will not be allowed. And membership will only be available to German residents. Growing your own cannabis will also be permitted, yay, with up to three marijuana plants allowed per household. This means that Germany could be in the paradoxical position of allowing possession of rather large amounts of the drug while at the same time making it difficult to purchase. 
Regular smokers would benefit, but occasional users would struggle to buy it legally and tourists would be excluded. Critics say this will simply fuel the black market. Over the next few years, the government wants to assess the impact of the new law and eventually introduce the licensed sale of cannabis. But given how torturous the debate has been so far, nothing is certain. Meanwhile, oppositional conservatives say that if they get into the government next year, they will scrap the law entirely. Germany is unlikely to become Europe's newest Amsterdam anytime soon. This is Yaro Kubrin, Hyatt 9 News. I would like to hear what my other guests have to say, as well as those of you in the chat. I mean, the reality, though, I mean, they're, they're hampering down everywhere that you can possibly obtain this stuff. But thank God no one's going to want to buy any of it anyway, because it's all Canadian boof. <laughs> so like, I guess I guess they know that they know what they're selling. They're not going to have a lot of people looking for it. But, you know, people people. Will Wait, are you, hold on. You're telling me that Germany because Germany makes things amazing. Germany. Germany I mean, they, is importing their weed from Canada. Germany is importing their weed from Canada. All of it? Yeah. It's all imported. In Colombia. It's terrible. Colombia too. Yeah. Look, look at Yaro. You're about to Germany, cry, bro. He's about to cry. Australia, the same, same here. This is insane. Yeah. Germany just ripped off everything from Australia and made it 10 times worse. I can see exactly what's happening here. This is insane. Mm -hmm. So the, the reason why I think there's a missed opportunity for Germany to create its own domestic production of cannabis is because Germany makes everything amazing. They are the manufacturing powerhouse of the world. And I can't help but think to myself the missed opportunities for ag tech innovation if Germans were allowed to grow their own cannabis and not have to expand. Yeah, to import it from other countries. I mean, if like really the ag tech opportunities over there uh, would be amazing. Mm -hmm. It could be amazing, but it won't be amazing. I feel bad for the I feel bad for the populace because we it's interesting how we covered these other two stories, one in Australia and then also Mandy's, and we were talking about sort of some of these common recurring issues that get sort of populated into policy and newer markets and 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 this unfortunately appears to be more of the same mm -hmm. <laughs> that's right it's, it definitely sounds like more of the same and even even irish sees it all the way in australia all the way down under he, he you know i'm i'm actually flabbergasted because you know no like just a thing we have a lot of artists coming from overseas as you can mm -hmm. imagine touring so last year I was, I was taken on tour with Snoop Dogg for this exact reason, because one contaminated weed. We have a thing called PGR, plant growth regulation. Yeah, we got those here too. Yeah, yep. which is causing just these big brown buds. It's disgusting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's nasty. And yeah, obviously you guys, I've seen you've got fentanyl sprayed weed and shit. No, that's not on. true. That's not true. That's fake news. You can't you can't spray fentanyl weed. That's that's not real. That's that that's just propaganda then, pieces. That's not. And then spraying terps, spraying terps. Is that yeah, they do that. They do they do they do the spray terps. Yes, they, they do do that. Yeah, that's real. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So Speaking for that that reason, that's why we all about all the artists coming over. Snoop just smoked like the greatest of medical weed while he was here mm -hmm. because he was petrified of going for that reason, going underground and getting this PGR or turf spray weed. He had no idea that in that German article, what, what annoyed me the most was when you said, Oh, it's excluded for tourists. Mm -hmm. So that's great. We'll go fuck ourselves. No problem. We go over there. We go looking for weed. We get arrested looking for it while all you Germans are sitting in a cafe smoking it. Great. Mm -hmm. Peace. 
no tourism for you. Exactly. And, and to be fair to Australia, I mean, while you may be importing artists, you, you guys did give us men at work. They were pretty good. <laughs> they didn't smoke weed, though. Uh, yes. They... That's why they had, that was, that's why they're still at work. <laughs> oh, that's why they're still. Oh, they never went on break. They were great employees. Huh? No, I'm referring back to about... Fang and Wang before. We're just sitting on the couch, well, bludgeoned. You know what, what about Rufus? You gave us Dang. Rufus. They they were pretty smooth too. Mm -hmm. we get, where's ACDC from? Aren't they Australian or not? Oh, yes, the, yes, they are. Is they're Australian, but they're all like they're, they're convicts. They're all from all over place, Scotland, England. I thought I thought I thought but all they're... I thought all Australians were convicts. I thought that was the whole point of Australia. Yeah. We still are convicts. Yeah, as of, only got freed as of the end of COVID. I believe. <laughs> and it. if you I have a bong, it. you're a convict. Oh yeah. Speaking of speaking of which, speaking of which, they they, they want to see. They... There'll be a social equity program though, so don't worry. Oh. <laughs> Can't we all just get a bong? That's just Can't that's just pouring just salt on the wound right there, Mandy. That's just pouring salt. I'd love to get a bong, but they're illegal here too. <laughs> oh man, they are illegal. Well, I, I have I have one more story, and since we're talking about people going to jail and people getting busted and different stuff, this 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 is this is appropriate. Okay, you guys. Two men arrested after over seventy pounds of marijuana found in a suitcase at Dulles Airport. Now, Dulles Airport is DFW, and that is in the state of Virginia. So, just people—I don't want people to think that it is Dallas Airport. This is Washington Dulles Airport. Two men were arrested Thursday after U.S. Customs and Border Protection officers found over seventy pounds of marijuana in their checked baggage at Dulles International Airport, according to a release from the the. Uh, Customs and Border Patrol, a 33-year-old Kalik Talib McAllister and 28-year-old Christian Tyler Knight, both of Las Vegas, Nevada, were arrested by Virginia State Police troopers at the airport and were charged with felony possession with intent to distribute transportation and narcotics conspiracy and uh, CBP officers at Dulles found in, quotes, large vacuum-sealed bags full of suspected marijuana in three suitcases being loaded onto a Kelfavat Iceland flight, the release said. Both men were traveling through Iceland to Paris, France, which I think is a weird-ass route, where officers said high-quality weed can be sold for several times higher than in the U.S. In quotes, marijuana remains illegally federally, and travelers who smuggle bulk amounts of marijuana gamble with their freedom to chase a few extra bucks, said Mark E. Caxalite, the Customs and Border Pool Border Patrol Area Port Director for the Area Port of Washington, D.C. In quotes, Customs and Border Protection Officers are hard to bet against, and our officers will continue to work with our law enforcement partners to ensure smugglers are held accountable, he says. CBP officers uh, retrieved a total of 68 vacuum-sealed bags of marijuana weighing a combined 72 pounds and 15 ounces, which they say could have a street value as much as 350000 dollars in the United States and even more in Paris, they say. And CBP said uh, they they capture two two thousand eight hundred and ninety five pounds of dangerous drugs on average 
uh, every day at air, land, and sea ports of entry throughout the U.S. That's a pretty high number. But nonetheless, this is what do you guys think about this and this big, big bust at Dulles International Airport? And every who, day, who flies? Well, they're they're saying in total. They're saying they're they're saying in total through all their ports. They're saying they confiscate two thousand eight hundred and ninety five pounds of dangerous drugs on average every day. So and a little bit of weed. Yeah, Sorry. and a little bit of weed. <laughs> it's the dangerous ones. Oh man, oh man. That, I mean, uh, who who flies to Paris via Iceland though? It's probably some sort of layover hobby logistics thing. And you know what it sounds like, bro? It sounds like these guys I mean, were on like Frontier I, I Airlines. These guys had gotten to Paris and been like drinking their little espresso with a baguette and like doing their thing. I, I was never a smuggler. That was not my thing. But if there was a smuggling school, these guys might have not gone to the first day of class they've never definitely never heard of a travel agent i mean hold on because it says that they left from vegas hold on just follow the follow follow on the map follow on the map las vegas okay to virginia virginia to iceland iceland to france that doesn't make any sense to me at all whatsoever Maybe they were stoned when they booked their travel arrangements bro this is this is nuts to me Nuts I, I've got. Me. I've actually got an explanation here. You have I've an explanation. Got an explanation. Oh, all right. All right. Is it an upside down explanation? It's definitely upside down. All right. I hope all everyone watching this in the comments. I hope he's going fact check me right now. Yes. Right. Uh, you know, Nick if anyone's got a computer, fact check me right now. Nick will do it. First question I'm going to ask before going to the story is: Do you think these guys know that they were smuggling? Yes or no? Yes, 100. Yeah. percent They did. Yes, without a doubt in my mind. Okay. Okay, so what I want, what I'm going to say right now, might floor you. Okay, so fact check me, please fact check me. If you were to Google right now, how much weed, how much medicinal cannabis can I bring from America to Australia as a patient? Right. I would never. If Google you Google that. that right now, it'll that's, tell you that's snitching on yourself. Three months supply. Okay. Now, I know because I've got my medical license over there in California that the doctor prescribes me up to eight ounces a day. Yeah, you know what? Have I you... mean, DHS, DHS, Department of Homeland and Safety, they do tell people uh, the, 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 that you're allowed to have – you should always have a three-month supply of any medication on you. But they don't acknowledge cannabis as a medicine, so that's not that's not going to fly with them. It does I mean, in it Australia does under, under the law. It's not, it's not going to fly under international yeah. law yeah. either because it's not recognized yeah. internationally. Listen, listen, at listen. CannabisPlace.com, it says if you are coming from abroad, you can bring up to three months' worth of medicinal cannabis into Australia. You will have to yeah. have a prescription to accompany it. Yep, which no one has. Also, which no one has because they only have is. recommendations. Well, shit, I got mine. Yours is not a prescription, no, no, Randy. Yeah, it's not I'll a prescription. I'll clarify, I'll clarify the law for you. You ready? Yep. So it's... In in America, if you walk into a dispensary, that's called compliant weed, correct? No, it's not compliant. I mean, it's it, not it metric. Would, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be compliant. Yes, yes. Okay, sure. so that there is the equivalent. The doctors don't prescribe it over there. You go into a dispensary and pick it up, right? And you can pick up medical weed walking in with your medical license to a dispensary. So, if, if I'm right, if I'm right there, I can still take, according to the law, forty-two pounds. Any one of you guys, by that law, the cheetah's red, can bring 42 pounds 
do the math, six, eight ounce a day or six ounce a day, whatever it is, times three months into Australia in your carry-on luggage, apparently. Yeah, right. So, yeah, right. I'm not that, buying that. That's the I'm law. Not I, that's that, the that's law. not the law. That's I think not Irish is trying to recruit some people now. Yeah, I think yeah. that's what's happening here. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I, I, think, I think he's going to get us on an episode of Locked Up Abroad now, trying to turn High and Nine News into Locked Up Abroad. I mean, there's yeah. an article on Leafly about this topic as well. I'm I'm reading right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Can you the go to the TGA the actual... Yeah, the headline of the Leafly article says, can you travel to Australia with medical cannabis? And it was December 27th, 2016. But these guys weren't traveling to Australia. These guys were traveling to Paris, France. That's well, that was all I was trying to do. Do they have the same laws over there, maybe? Well, I'm, I'm glad to know that I can take fly with my weed when I fly to Australia. That 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 is that, that that's it that that's exciting to me, and 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 to put it in perspective, and I don't I don't want to get anyone else in trouble here. I put it all up on my Instagram. I flew back with a pound of Cali uh-huh. in my carry on and declared in your what? and had a in finger. your what what do you call that part of your body? His your pouch. Carry on, his pouch. Bro, you're not a kangaroo. You don't have a pouch. When you put that in there, you put the boof in the bung to make it even more funk. No, I don't like that. <laughs> Oh man! You guys. I had it in my backpack, okay. and I declared it, and I had no problems going through. And all I had was two compliant dispensary let's, bags. Let's, on the let's watch the way he walks and see if he's oh, got a man. certain gait to him. Did you? Yeah. Did you have a little pep in your step? Were you rocking faster than you normally would would walk when you when you were exiting? Yeah, I was sprinting past customs like this. I, I bet. Like Bolt. <laughs> I bet. I bet. I bet. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And on that, we got to wrap this thing up. Thank you all for tuning in for another episode of High at Nine News. We are America's number one daily cannabis news show. Thank you to all of our correspondents. Thank you, Hirish, for coming and joining us all the way from down under, spending your time with us today. And uh, you're welcome. Yes, yes, yes. And thank you all for tuning in. You at home. Home, tuning in every day and watching us seeing whatever the hell is going on in the world of cannabis and thank you all for getting high at nine with us we'll see you tomorrow